Thank you. Hey, there we go. Hey, so now, I, now you guys are in luck. I can't talk with my hands as much because I, I'm going to be uh, hang, handicapped here. So good morning. Uh, glad to be with you guys today. And we are, if you're just joining us, um, then you've missed out on a lot, I'm sure. We've been on a whole journey, as you can see from the scripture up here. There's a book that we refer to as First John. I want to try to be sensitive to the fact that we have lots of like church talk, right? We say things like amen and hallelujah and all these words that like you don't use when you're hanging out with your friends for the most part. So um, what we're going through is, is what we call First John, and it's written by who? John. Nice, nice. Very good, very good. If I, like I said, if I had those Bible stickers, you would get one for doing a great job and a gold star. Um, yeah, John, who walked with Jesus in the first century after Jesus' death, wrote a letter to Christians. And so we've been going through that letter. And we've taken that letter and we've given it a title. And it's made it into our Bible. And it's called First John, broke it up into chapters and verses. So if you have a Bible or you have one on your phone, you know, click to it, turn to it. Test your eyesight and grab the Bible in the pocket of the chair in front of you. Go to 1 John chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. And let me just, let me just pray this. Lord, I pray that you would uh, use me, that you would give me your words. Um, forgive me of all the detours I might take, Lord, but bring me back that you might speak to the people you brought here today, Lord, because you made them and you love them, whether they acknowledge you or not. And so today I pray that you would use this time that you would speak to them, direct them, and draw them near to you so they could become um, full of your love and your life. And Jesus, I just pray this because I know you have the power to do it. Amen. Okay, so this is where kind of rewind a little bit, right? Like recap. Um, 1 John 5, verse 11. And it goes a little something like this. It says, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. You guys remember this? If you were here last week? Okay. Verse 12, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Okay, first you've got to think in terms of context. Who is this letter written to? Christians, right? So if you're not a Christian, it might not quite hit home. Hopefully if you read it and you're not a Christian, you're going to say, dang, well, I want to be a Christian because this sounds like what I need. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Quick question. If you look around the world that you're in, um, the people who say they have Christ, do they seem to have life more than the people who don't? Okay, so, something's got screwed up here, right? Because I wouldn't say that that's the case. I wouldn't say necessarily what you see in the people who claim to, to believe in Christ that we have a greater and richer and fuller life and love than the people who don't. And that's a problem. Something, something got horribly wrong here. And, and so we sort of have to rewind and say, what was the deal? What was going on? And what have we missed in this if this isn't happening? So let me go on to verse 13. John says this, I write these things to you who believe, right? He's writing to those who believe, in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is really great news because this is, the word there is have. This is something you have now, eternal life. But I can tell that to you till you're blue in the face, and honestly, for the most part, it's not going to help you so much tomorrow if you don't really realize what that means. Uh, what, what it will do is probably create in certain people, like, I go to church, I'm a Christian, so someday I get to go to heaven. That's going to be good, and between now and then, it might be marginal. Does that make, is that kind of what you see? Yeah, okay. Well, that's okay that it sucks now because eventually I get heaven, which is not wrong doesn't help on Tuesday. Is that fair to say? Okay. So, here's how I would say it. Um, 
the recap really is this, that life, it comes to us through Jesus. Not just in the future, now. Because the Bible tells us, you guys understand, I mean, what you really want is, is, a lot, is life and to feel alive, right? Everyone wants that. You were created for that. And so whether you acknowledge God or not, there's that peace inside you that is desperate for that. It is desperate. Most of our actions can be traced back to that simple fact. You are trying to find life. Okay? So this life, it comes to us through Jesus. And whether you take it or not, you, you have it as an opportunity through Jesus. But the fullness of this life is only found when you follow Jesus, when you follow in his ways. How would you say that in Spanish? Because I'm wearing this shirt, I should be able to speak some Spanish. How would you say follow in his ways? What's that? Say, 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 Segui en su pasos. Okay. Segui en su pasos. So if we would follow in his ways. So really, Jesus' deal isn't like, let me do this for you. You just keep doing what you're doing, and I'm going to give you great life. That's not the way this works. I should have put a picture of the genie Jesus up there. This is not the way it works. You don't do what you want your way and expect the fruit of your life to be full life. Like, the whole metaphor was, he was a rabbi, a teacher, who said, listen, this is how I live, here's how I eat, here's how I walk, here's how I do money, here's how I do sex, here's how I do marriage, here's how I do friendships. Do it like I do it, and that way will lead to the fullness of life. And even though it won't be easy, even though it still is work, you're going to be tied to me, my yoke, it will be easy and light, and you'll have full life. And the word here is zoe, right? It's the Greek word. It's not, just, it's not just the idea of, like, biological life, right? That's a different word. This is a fullness of life, a life that only comes from God. So what I want to present to you is this, that we are all looking for this full life. We, we all desperately want it. We were made for it, but we're often looking in the wrong places. Here's a disclaimer. I'm, I'm not going to tell you anything new today. I highly doubt that you're going to say, whoa, no one ever said that before. No, I'm probably going to say things you heard a thousand times, but you need this reminder. I need this reminder. See, and, and that's what it is. Well, no, well, I'm not really doing that. Yeah, you are, right? Yes, you are. Like, okay. What happens when you get tons of money in our culture? What happens? You spend it, okay. You spend it on yourself or people around you, right? And then you want to make more, right? Okay. And we got even tax laws, which is crazy, because poor people are like, why'd that rich dude buy that million-dollar house? Because if he bought the $400,000 house, he would have just gave the rest of the money to the government, so he works around, he does that. He's got to buy a new car every two years. He's got as the, as the poet once said, right, mo money, mo problems, okay? The notorious B.I.G. That's, it's some truth in that. Now, why do you want to have money? Because if you're rich, what happens? You feel... Comfortable, good, secure, superior. You want to be special. You were created to be a son and daughter of the one true God of the universe. Okay? So, grocery clerk in Iowa might feel not as fulfilling as that. Do you understand me? If you just look at it like that. You are going to constantly seek on it. You want to be buffer, sexier, smarter, richer, faster, right? All these things. Anything that will point you to more life. The problem is the buffest dude out there, it's not life. The, the sexiest girl out there it doesn't turn out being life. The, the richest person out there, what they find is that wasn't life either. They've looked under the wrong rock. There's not a formula, per se, that says, if I do this, and what's crazy about it, guys, is if we're honest, if, if I slow down, What's funny is there's some kids born right, being born right now in hospitals throughout the world, 
And they're going to want those same things. They're going to want those same things. Trying to find life, even though generation after generation before them, tale after tale, movie after movie, book after book, example after example, will continue to tell them life is not found there. But they'll do it, and I do it, and you do it. It's, it's the word's insanity, right? The word is insanity. We're looking for it in the wrong places. So allow me to digress a minute. Ultimately, right, God came to be with us, Jesus. He came to walk as a man, right, to deal with all the temptation, to deal with all the struggle that you and I deal with. But the problem was this. He was confined to wherever he was. He went to this lake, and the crowds came to the lake because they wanted to be near him because they were looking for life. And then he went to this town, and the people went to that town to where he was at. And so he did these things. He spoke truth. He uh, performed miracles. He loved, right? He prayed. He, He did all of these things to prove to the people that he was sent by God, the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who would save us. And then he did the craziest thing. He says, I'm going to go now. What? Yeah, I'm going to go now. And it's better for you that I do this. Because here's the plan that the Father and I have had from the beginning. Okay, Jesus, let's listen. That you would be left behind, and the generations that came after you would be left behind until I come back to gather you up, okay? And when you're here, the Spirit of God is going to live in you, if you believe. And by the power of that Spirit, you're going to do things like I did, You're going to minister like I ministered. You're going to love like I loved. You're going to speak truth like I speak truth. You're going to sacrifice yourself like I sacrifice myself so that the whole world would know me. And that's going to be better. It's going to be wider and and more reaching. And we can't forget that. So in essence, you and I are in charge with carrying on the work of Jesus after he left. Dang, Randy, how am I doing at that, man? (sighs) Yeah, about the same as you. Hmm. I mean, what I said, is that true? I mean, you've got to ask yourself, if you believe that is true, then there's no um, small print, fine print that gets you out of this. If you want to be a Christian, here's your agreement. That you'll carry on the work that he had. Because here's the problem, okay? You get more truth and I get more truth. You know what happens? You get unkind. You get impatient. You think you have all the answers. And and your kindness, your gentleness, it it shrinks. You you feel more self-righteous, more self-justified, and so you're less kind, and pretty soon you dismiss the fact that everyone else around you has the same humanity and weaknesses that you have. Does that make sense? So then in our way that we practice our faith, what we say is, I know your experience says this is not true, but believe it's true. God loves you. Okay? Um, God is good. God provides. We'll say all these things, right? And then what you find is God doesn't seem to love you. He doesn't seem to provide. He doesn't do all these things people are saying. You know why that is? What's that? We're not doing his will, right? And we're not following him. We're not, and the other people around us aren't doing it. Guess who first taught me about love? Was it Jesus? I mean, you could argue that, but it was my mom and my dad. Right? My grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, my brothers and sisters, the best friends I've had. Like, they showed me what love was. And whether they knew it or not, they became an agent from God to show me what love is. You got a kid? That's a gift. You've got a a boyfriend, girlfriend, gift. You've got a spouse, it's a gift. You've got a mom, it's a gift. You've got a dad, it's a gift, right? You've got a neighbor, a friend. Here's your opportunity to engage in the work of Jesus. And when you don't do that in a practical way, 
then they don't experience it and you don't understand it. And so we keep hollering at the top of our lungs like God is life. Well, what's that mean? Like, what is life? Like, take your, take your church words out of it. What's life like? What's good life? Help me out. What? Connection? Joy. Peace, okay? Give me practical things. What's, what's like life-giving? What's it look like? How, explain it to me. Is it like eating a good meal? What is it? Water? Yeah. Having a roof over your head. You ever taken a hot shower when you haven't in a while? Oh, you're like, dang, that's like being alive, right? What's that? Community, right? Being with people that you love. We've, we've lost that fact. It's cool to Skype with them, right? Or, you know, man, you can just FaceTime with them or you can IM them. That's cool. But there's nothing like you guys sitting across the table from one another. Just hanging out, with, Right? Like, to get a hug, like a real hug, not the, not the I'm afraid of you hug, but I don't care if you can feel I'm fat, I'm hugging you, right? Like, I don't care. Like, I can feel your sweat, but that's, that's like life, right? It's laughter. I mean, heaven forbid you say that in a church, right? But you could have a glass of wine with somebody, that could be life-giving, right? You could have coffee. Or you could eat lettuce, that's cool too, whatever, you know, drink water, it's, it's sweet. Um, Playing football together, right? Like playing baseball together. Yeah, holding a baby, right? Laughing after a good joke. Laughing at Josh White when he makes his announcements, you know? Dad jokes, like all these things are life-giving and we've got to get away from the impractical. Jesus is life. This is really great. You should come join me. It just takes every Sunday your whole life. Probably all the money you have and yeah, but it's going to be great. No, that's not what it is. It's like this is life. Like, you don't got it. You don't got it because you're still turning over rocks that are empty underneath, right? And I've found something I want to share with you. And until we get back to that, you won't share your life. You won't have the words, right? Agape, right? Aga- people say it, agape. Agape. You know what it means? Love feast. Love feast. Is that how you treat one another? Is that how you treat? I mean... Right, Jim, because it'd just be like, man, would I feel towards you? Is it like a love feast? I'm like from I'm from a big Irish family, so I get that. Like, you all get together. My wife came in. It took her like three days to recuperate from all the noise and the food and the hugs and the interaction. She was like fried at first, but I get it. Like, love feast, like so much, and we should be feeling that for one another. That's what God feels for us, not like uh, a casual affection. We're talking. Like, welcome to the 50 people shoved in a 600-square-foot place, sweaty, smelly, eating food that's bad for you, laughing, cracking jokes, the crazy uncle. Like, love, feast. Agape. So what I really left you with last week, and then the other word, right, zoe. So it's this idea of life and love like God has it. And I think if we want to rock this life, okay, not that it's always going to be easy, but if we want to have joy, If we want to have something that's precious, you've got to learn the pathways. And I don't know the right words for it, guys. This is, hopefully God's going to give me a better way to explain this. But it's very practical. You have to begin to understand the ways in which God reminds you in the weakness of your flesh, in the feebleness of your mind, that he loves you and that he's good. You're going to need those reminders. You're going to need those reminders. So I think this is a great thing for for someone who's trying to follow Jesus. Because if we were with him, and like hanging out with him day after day, he would be talking to us about how to do all these things. Like, have you guys seen the clouds? Why do they got to be so cool looking? Right? Or lightning on a dark night? I mean, it's a bomb, right? It's like, it could kill you. But it's like, ooh, beautiful, right? Like, where's my rod? Um, it wouldn't have to be so beautiful to work. Or the sunset or the sunrise.
a woman? How beautiful is a woman? Like, dang, right? They didn't have to be to just be, but they are, right? And the men, I don't get it, but I'm sure that you guys are beautiful too. A baby's like belly laugh, right? It doesn't matter if you're a parent or not. I mean, parents might even think screaming's okay if you don't have kids that might annoy you, but no one can argue with that little belly laugh. Like, oh, dang, that's great. Like, why is that so wonderful? Why does food taste good, right? I mean, this is, this is just from my heart to you, to you is... I think if we, could, if we could see these things for what they are, because the scripture does say that all good things come to us through God. I don't know about the will. I really love the Whopper. Where did that come from? Well, some dude came up with the idea, right? He was like, bread, good. Ground beef, good. Okay, let's put that together. Then he's like, cheese, that's great. Two things that come from a cow and bread. We'll put that together. And some other dude's like, I got these, these like pickled cucumbers. Let's throw those bad boys on there. Some onion guy... It took ideas of men, which I'm telling you, man, uh, God and spiritual things are so much at work that we don't even see that I would present to you in like all seriousness that God gave you cheeseburgers if that's what you love, like, right? And if you started treating this life as the precious gifts for God, I know maybe this is ridiculous, but we could be grateful people. We could be grateful people. Last week, I also talked about this, the, the idea of a witness of more than one person, right? When you have one person that tells you this is the way it is, that's not a great witness. You want to corroborate that account with multiple witnesses that are saying the same thing, right? This is the best thing ever. Okay, really, is that just you? Or does Eamon agree with you and Tyler agree with you? Now, when I get two or three witnesses who are saying this is what happened, now you start to say, okay, I'm listening. So let me tell you, there's a guy named Paul. And Paul didn't walk with Jesus. He actually started by persecuting the followers of Jesus. Trying to make life work by being a huge religious boss, right? And then what ended up happening is he got blinded, like literally, on the road to go capture some Christians. Changed his life, wrote most of the New Testament. And is really the guy who started the path so that you know, non-Jews like me could, could come to faith, right? So he wrote to a church in Ephesus, right, modern-day Turkey. And he was writing to a group of Christians, so I want to read you from that letter, and I think this really goes with what John was saying. In Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 1, and it says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Okay, now I've taken you on that whole rabbit trail. Let's come back to the the scripture itself. What Paul's saying is, you know what? You didn't have life. Not not like God had it. You were still breathing, but you were heading for destruction. Okay? And here's why you were headed for destruction. Because you were following the course of this world. So I'm telling you, according to what Paul said, and I'm saying John would agree with it, is if we follow the path the world, and the world here, the the Greek word is cosmos, which means a system. If we followed the world's system, it's going to lead us to a place that doesn't give life. Example, when I graduated college, and I went to work for a bank, there was a man, I'm in my 20s, right? This man was in his 60s. He'd had important jobs and was an, an older man now and kind of semi-retired to the area. And he told me this. He says, you know, well, when you get into a career in the pathway of success that the world gives, I'm using my own words, but basically he said, you always think your path goes like this. It just gets better, right? Because that's not the way that life works. There's these ups and downs and, and backs and forth, right? So the world lays out a path for you, even the path that you think you want to take, right? Who here has a kid who's like, I'd love for my kid to struggle really bad in school and never be able to get a good job? No parent ever said that. Did you? Okay, hey, good. You get to be the exception. That's good. Um, ultimately, the fact that they know God is more important, but let's get realistic about it, okay? Even if you follow the path the world has set out for you, you know what it ends up doing? You, it's empty or it's a cliff. 
right? And when it becomes empty, and when you hit the cliff, and you're free-falling, that's when God comes for you. He's like, now I've got your attention. And then he, Paul adds this at the end here. It says, when you are following the course of this world system, you are following the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? Yeah. Satan, they said. Darkness, evil. The path of the world laid out to you is, is not authored by God. It's, it's not. And if you don't believe me, just live a while and see what happens. Try it. Anyone else with me? Did you try it and it didn't work? Yeah, it, it, it didn't work. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's empty. It's... Okay, so we'll keep going. So the prince of the power of the air, right? Darkness, Satan, evil, the devil, whatever you want to call him, okay? That is the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. So his work, just like Jesus' work, is being carried out by people. Both, both, both people in terms of like spiritual beings and people in terms of fleshly beings. When we act in selfishness, when we act in revenge, when we act in what we call our flesh, then we do evil. As a matter of fact, the story of most of your lives would be the balance between the good done to you by other people and the evil done to you by other people. And, and which one outweighs the other determines your level of bitterness. So that spirit of evil that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, every one of us, I don't care if you were born in a nursery like me, struggle with parts of our flesh, parts of our desires that still really want what the world is selling. And because of the passions of our flesh, what we do, it says here, is we're carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of Wrath, like the rest of mankind. Okay, listen. You guys see this? Look at Listen, okay. This is when it's going to get good, okay? Watch this. But God. But God. Why are you standing on the chairs? So you, you don't fall asleep and you hear what I'm saying to you. All of that is true. But God, being rich in, what's the word? Mercy. You see, God... He hasn't saved you. He doesn't love you. He didn't give you cheeseburgers, whatever it is. And it's ridiculous. I know it's a ridiculous example, but come on. I have, I mean, look at me, man. I have a wife and kids. I get to be here with you. I mean, there's mercy in this. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love, right? The love feast is the word, right? It's the act of loving you that way. That great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And by grace, you've been saved. And the word saved here isn't a church word. It means you've been healed. You've been rescued. You've been made whole. You weren't whole before. You weren't fully alive, fully loving. But because of God's grace, he is saving you. He's healing you. He's got you on a path to make you whole. And the thing is, guys, you look around in our world, and there's lots of people offering this. There's lots of spirituality out there. And sometimes you meet those people, and you're like, dang, they seem to be more together than a Christian. But, but it's not founded on God. And so their spirituality waves and, and wanes and it's, it's easy to knock off because we have an unchangeable God that whenever it's all said and done, we get to be with them. And we have the Spirit of God which is growing and growing in us. So we don't have to pretend to be ultra spiritual and all together day one. We can only be um, where we are. We can only be where we are knowing that God is making us in his image. And then verse 6, it says, we have been raised up and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, that's a whole other sermon, but, but it's this idea that even though you're physically living here, you've already been given eternal life with Christ. You're already connected to eternity. You're already connected to him spiritually. You have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that counsels and comforts you and directs you into things 
that are well above and beyond what you can see with your eyes. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages, not just the coming age, we're not talking heaven, we're talking about every age since this. 2,000 years ago, you guys understand. Till now, we are, we're ages after that. And in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See, ultimately, you understand, like, Jesus has ascended. He's in power at heaven, and it sounds crazy. But it's just crazy enough it's true, Okay? So if you want to be crazy with me, let's do it. But he is there, and because of that, you and I can rise above what we see, what we taste, what we feel. And so whether we see, taste, feel, our feelings are hurt, that's not the end of the conversation. It's just one of the factors. Because we have a God who's overcome that. Check this out. For by grace we've been saved, through faith, and not of our own doing. It's not about you, it's about him. It's the gift of God. Not a result of your work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, his poem. It's like something he created with love. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Like You've been made new and now he's got things he's going to have you walk in. So really it comes back down to this. Gratefulness and confidence. Gratefulness because no matter where you started, God has gotten you on a journey and you might be in process. Okay? You're, you're in process, but at the same time, you've also arrived. And I know that sounds really weird. Okay? If God stops your life now, that tells you he's done with you doing the work. He's done with you trying to walk out this journey against your flesh with your spirit connected to him. Does that make sense? So your flesh is still battling with you until the day your last breath comes. It comes for like six months old for some people, 106 for other people, and everywhere in between. When you're done, you're done. You get to shed the flesh, right? I I don't need a hot shower. I don't need hugs, kisses, sex, food, comfort. I don't need to be coddled or told I'm wonderful, right? That's over. I've overcome that, but my spirit is alive, right, with Christ. So, once again, that's a whole other sermon, but because of this, This is kind of where, where John has us. Because of this gratefulness, because we've been saved, we can have confidence. And that's where verse 14, back to 1 John, verse 14. And this is, he's even used the word, this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So, okay, let's, let's stop there. This is an often misused scripture. Okay, well, well, how is it often misused? Once again, back to the whole genie Jesus. If I ask him, he's going to do what I tell him to do. No, 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 no. Well, yeah, but if I'm really good, then he's going to ask. No, 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 no. If, if, like, I say all my prayers and I do this, I wash my hands this way and only eat this food and always go to church on Sunday, I'm the first one there, I get more prayers answered, right? No, 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 no. There's, there's a huge thing here. There's a process. There's an order to things. As you become, understand, if you want to be a Christian, what you're agreeing to is, I want to start my path to be more like Jesus, until that's finished when I'm with him face to face. That's going to be picking up certain things I didn't have or do before and giving up things that I used to have and do before. Okay, we, we together? Because this is a lot, right? As we become more like him, we start to think like him. We, we talk like him. We, we care about the things that he cares about. And so the things that you desire, the things that you want, become more aligned with him. So then the things you begin to ask for are more in line with the the term we're using, his will, what what he wants to happen. So then you know that what he's saying is if you're a Christian and you are walking with him, then he is hearing your prayers, even if you don't see them being answered. Know that he's hearing your prayers. So like, let's say if I'm here to shepherd 
these people, which is what I'm called to do, is to be an imperfect shepherd for the great good shepherd. But what I see here is there's a lot of, there's a lot of concerns in our heart. What I know about people is some of you have such a burden for your marriage. And you don't know why it's not where it should be. And, and some of you have such a burden for a marriage that broke up. And you don't know why it went this way. And some of you have such a burden because you're struggling with health. And you don't know why it's gone that way. Some of you I know are, are struggling with like purpose in my life. Either I'm young and I feel like I have to figure it out. I'm somewhere in between and I feel like I should be farther along than I am. Or I'm, I'm to the point now I should have figured this out and I haven't. Some of you are really hopeful. Some of you are really regretful. Some of you have bad addictions, right, that are controlling you. Like, all of these things. But what I'm offering you is not that your marriage necessarily gets better. Not that necessarily, like, your relationship with your kid or your parent changes. The cancer doesn't always go away, okay? There's not always enough money. You might never have a career that defines you. Thank you, God, right, if that's the case. You might not have kids till you're 30, or you might have one when you're 16. Like, I don't know, but what you know is when you're God's and when you're living with him, filled by the Spirit, you have great hope because you know those prayers that you're offering up are being heard. Ah, see, Corey, that is huge. And the way this plays out is we're supposed to be living life together. And so if you and I are doing that, then we know that. Like, oh, man, you know? Jim, you're worried about this. I know this is on your heart, man. This seems to be what you're praying about, but know that God hears. You know? And that's where those pathways of love come. When you're waiting. When he seems to be silent, he seems to be quiet, and you think he might not love you. Sometimes you just need a sunset to remind you he loves you. That makes sense? We don't share that enough. Because then when you see that sunset and you think it's from God, then what's your, what should your reaction be? People are like, dang, that's awesome. Thanks, God. Or the hot shower. Like, oh, man, God, I'm glad you didn't choose to have me born in 300 B.C. because the hot shower, the indoor plumbing is sweet. What John is saying is, and when we ask according to his will, and and I get that, because like being a parent, that helped. Because if your kids got everything they asked for, they'd be a monster. Right? They'd be in a bad place. If, If you all married the first guy or girl that you prayed, I sure hope that we stay together forever. Maybe some of you did, okay? And you might be regretting that prayer answer. I don't know, I'm just kidding. Uh, But a lot of you didn't, and thank God you didn't. Right? Or if you didn't get the job that you wanted. Like, if God would have moved me away from my hometown, I wouldn't be here with you these fi- with these fine people. My life would be a mess. I'm sure glad he didn't say yes to the things I asked him for. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. It's It's not that promise that you can manipulate God, but it's the promise that he hears and he answers prayers. Okay, another example. Half-brother of of Jesus, James, he said it this way. You ask and you do not receive. Okay, James, now you got my attention because there's lots of things I've asked for and I didn't get them yet. What's up? Okay, here's what's up. You did not receive because you asked wrongly. You spent it on your passions. You... Or he wasn't ready. Yeah. So you spent it on your passions. I want it now, right? You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is, is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So another guy saying, listen, the world's got it wrong. And if you think God's not hearing you, it's not that. It's that you're spending those requests wrong and God could not be a good God and say yes to this thing you're asking, because it's going to destroy you. So, the court, like I wrote it in this, this sounds like, this looks authoritative, because it's like old Sanskrit looking like, right? The course of this world, or friendship, and agreement with the world systems, do not lead to full life. This is what I have to tell you. Let me say that again. 
the course of this world or friendship and agreement with the world systems do not lead to full life, zoe life. I get it. You guys are in school. Of course, every one of you, man. You've all got to become lawyers and, and doctors and right professional athletes. Do you know some professional athletes? Have you seen those guys and girls act sometimes? I don't know if I want you to be that. And guess what? Then when you're 30, then you've got to figure out the whole rest of the purpose of your life. Dang, now if God wants you to be a professional athlete, great. But just because the world says that that's better doesn't mean it is. There's a price to pay for everything. Some of you have worked those jobs where you're like, it's a 10-hour day. You ever had this job and you're getting ready to leave because you want to see your family, the family that you're trying to support, and they're like, you leaving already? Anyone had that job? Yeah, yeah. You pay that price. The course of this world and friendship and agreement with the world systems do not necessarily lead to full life. Before you jump to conclusion, hey, I'm a lawyer, don't pick on me. I sure hope that God has Christian lawyers out there and that he keeps to bring them up, right? I sure hope he does. But you better do that because it's his will for your life. Otherwise, it's not going to go well. But I in no way, or if you're a doctor, or if you're a professional baseball player, astronaut, YouTuber, you know, making millions or whatever, right? Like Twitch star, whatever you want to be when you grow up. That, that's great if you do that in the will of God. But simply the course of this world, with the world values and friendship with it, does not lead to full life. You guys take more? Are you? Okay, here's a little more. The natural example with that is, but God, you don't understand. Like, you don't know what it is because, like, I, like, I can't have cancer. I have people that are depending on me. But my son, what if my son, what if this happens to him? I know. Or, you know, well, my marriage, man, I want to be faithful and good. Yeah. But in my job, if I don't get money, I might be, have to leave my house. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I'm just saying that following God doesn't mean his answer to all those things is, oh, let me just lay this out for you. Marriage, good. Health, good. Finances, good. House, beautiful. That's not the way it works with him. What he's doing is making you more and more like Christ. And and some of you get the big house and get to come like Christ. And some of you have to live in your car for a while to get there. Right? Some of you have a wife who can't touch you enough. And the other ones, your wife will never touch you. And some of you wives have husbands who don't, who are more interested in football this afternoon than you. Okay? And all of those things, good or bad, are part of the journey that you have. And so it's easy to say, Jesus, but you don't understand how much it sucks for me. Well, Hebrews, okay, there's the answer, right? Not that I'm the Bible answers guy, but interesting enough, there is an answer. Hebrews 4 says this, for we do not have a high priest, which is who? Jesus is referred to as the high priest, right? Because he's with God, appealing on our behalf. The high priest We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one, check this out, who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Man, I hate to not actually, Rick, I hate to almost not give that an entire sermon, just that right there. But get this piece. Jesus knows. Apparently, Jesus' earthly daddy died sometime in Jesus' life. He got hungry. He he got sick. He was tempted in every way in 40 days in the desert. We're talking like survivor on crack, right? So you know whatever temptation. He was tempted with wealth. He was tempted sexually. He was tempted with power. He was tempted with comfort. He was tempted with betrayal. He was tempted with stupid people all around him all the time. He was tempted with a government who was coming against him. He was tempted with being murdered and crucified and mocked and spit on. And he didn't stop 
following the will of God. So that means not this, not that he's this superman that you and I have to be afraid of, but we can approach to him and say, Randy, we can go to God and say, Jesus, man, this is hard. I am tempted to, to pretend I'm in control. I'm, I'm tempted to, I'm just afraid all the time. I'm, I'm tempted with lust. I'm tempted with money. I'm, I, I'm so angry at what our government's doing. I'm so angry about the world. I don't understand all the issues out there. I'm so angry. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. So whatever it is you're struggling with, I mean, he approaches you with a kindness. I mean, this is the same guy you understand. Two sisters, their brother died. And Jesus came walking up, planning to raise him from the dead, okay? So let's say, Nick, if you were going to go raise someone from the dead, would you be crying about them dying? Yeah, what, like they were dead right now, and you know you're about to raise them from the dead. Do you think you'd even cry? Right, I wouldn't either. I'd probably be like, Rick, what about you? I'd probably be like, stop crying, or I'm going to raise him from the dead. No, not this dude. Jesus stopped and he cried with them. Like, do you get that? Do you get how huge that is? Like, his action, if I want to be like him, then I'm going to sit in your stupidity with you because you don't see and you don't know and I'm going to love you more than try to correct you or more than try to stop you or more than try not to be human with you. But I'm going to be human. And he cried with them, and then he raised their brother from the dead. That's the Jesus we're talking about. So you can come to him with your fear. You can come to him with your lust, and he's not going to shut you out. You can draw near to him. And that's why John can say this, whoever has the Son has life, because that's full living. If, if all you've got is the things, what happens when the things die? You've got a lot of money. And then you lose it, or hyperinflation comes, right? You're the strongest person, and then you get old, and it happens quick. I like to say one day you're young, and the next day you wake up and you're old all of a sudden. I don't know when the perfect age was. It's weird, right? If you're depending on your body, you can get the best wife ever, and then she gets cancer and dies. You can put it all on your, your kids and hope for their future, and then they're one of the thousands of kids every year that die in a car accident. Like, if your hope is those things, that's the end of it. If your hope is your ability to be spiritual and be grounded and be calm, you can't do it in your own strength. But if you believe in the God who's hearing you, who mourns with you, who struggles with you, you have life. Whoever has God has life. Well, what do we do with that? It's a fair question. So what, Will? Unfortunately, there's not like a simple answer. It's more of a journey. And I, that's, what, that's what I feel led to lead you on. But it has to be carried out by you in your life. Like, I can't hang out with you. I'm not going to be in your living room in the morning and say, Hey, Randy, did you see that sun, sunrise? Woo, God loves you. Like, if I could, that'd be annoying, but also it'd probably help, right? So, yeah. Be like, Randy, look at your wife, man. She looks particularly stunning today. Maybe you should just thank God for her, right? I, if, if we did that, but guess what? You've got someone better, the Holy Spirit. Right? Because if I was just on your couch, I'd start smelling, and then it would be like a mess, right? My hair would be all messed up. Yeah, it's not a pretty sight. So, um, but you have this. You have the Holy Spirit. And so as we study these scriptures together, um, we can walk this out and we can remind one another so that we can walk in fullness of life. And as other people come in our path, they're going to say, dang, I've been turning over all these rocks and there's no life there. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. Me too. Me too. So let's, let's do this together with a group of people who are trying to turn over different rocks. Not with all the answers, but with a lot of questions and with a relationship with the one who has the answers. So I want the praise team to come back up. I know a lot of things that we do, it's religious, right? It's our, our attempt, but the religion that we have is based on a relationship that we have. And so what, 
what I would love to do in this time is, not by way of manipulation, but Linda will turn down the lights a little bit, and Elliot and them are going to play a couple songs for us. And um, I'd love for you to kind of reflect on some of these these scriptures, as well as some of the things that I said, or some of the things that I hope that the Holy Spirit spoke to you louder than I did in my ranting. And um, and I just want, I'm asking that the Lord, I'm going to pray that the Lord meets you where you're at and invites you to a fuller life with him, with more love. Fair enough? Okay, let's do this. Uh, Lord, I... I thank you for your goodness and your, your patience with me and with all of us, Lord. And so we're just reminded of your mercy and your grace today, your kindness and your approachability. And so, Lord, um, we just take this time as the music plays and, and we're, we just have this time set aside to reflect, to spend time uh, talking with you, communing with you, uh, knowing you more. Show us, Lord, the ways in which you're bringing us your love, the little reminders that we're going to need on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 5.30 p.m. or or on a Saturday or a Sunday night, just reminders that you are here, you are in control. You hear us and you know us. And just because we don't have the answers doesn't mean you're not good. Lord, I pray that you would lead us into life, life abundant, life full. That we cry hard and we laugh hard and we, we jump high and fall hard and we, we mourn together, we celebrate together. Sometimes we get too loud and sometimes we get pouty. But in every one of those things, we're not alone. We have you and we have those that you've sent to be with us. So thank you for this reminder today, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen.